Good morning, everybody. Good to see you guys. And um, ever any, know any vampires? How many of you are sitting next to one? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> That's not going to help your situation. Here's the big idea. If you're taking notes, jot this down. If you're not taking notes, jot this down. Um, we are called to love difficult people. Relationships are important, and relationships are difficult. Relationships bring us the most joy in our life, but they also bring us the most pain. And we all get bit from time to time, don't we? And uh, you can deny it if you want to, but we know it's true. From time to time, we all bite. We all suck the life out of somebody at some point or another. Just turn to your neighbor right now and say, you suck. No, don't do that. That's not nice. That's not nice. But God is inviting us today to work on ourselves and to love others. About a year ago, or about a year and a half ago, I did a series called Love Yourself. I mean, you cannot love others until you love yourself. And I encourage you to go back on our archive and watch that if you need to, because it'll help you to love others by first loving yourself. And you deserve to love yourself. But the Bible tells us, Jesus, he said this, he said, love your enemies, pray for those that use you. Now, now this isn't supposed to be a big part of my message, but I just have a little unction to camp out here for a minute. This will help you tremendously, especially not if, but when somebody hurts your feelings lets you down, disappoints you, talks about you, betrays you, stabs you in the back, whatever, fill in the blank, not if, but when it happens. Jesus said, love your enemies. Now, why did he have to say that? Couldn't he have just said, you know, uh, kick your enemy in the jimmy or um, go tell something bad about them if they tell something bad about you. You reap what you sow. I mean, what happened to all that eye for an eye stuff, right? But that is not the kingdom way in the New Testament. He said, love your enemies Pray for those who use you. And then he goes on to say, and bless those that curse you. Now, I'm going to make this super practical because you're like, oh, I got a blessing for you. Come on over here, big boy. Now, the word bless is, is the Greek word where we get the word, English word eulogy. Where when you go to a funeral and they eulogize someone, I mean, I don't. Hopefully, you've never been to a funeral. I haven't. Where you've heard them say anything negative about, they always say the good stuff, right? I mean, they're gone. They're in eternity now, and so you just focus on the positive. Isn't that what you hope they focus on at your funeral? I mean, there's just the positive. So we're not going to talk about that they were a gossip or that they, you know, were always complaining. No, no, we're just going to talk about the good things they did, how that they were a great cook and how they were always taken care of. Um, we're not going to talk about if they were codependent or any, you know what codependence is, right? That's when, you know, you're about to die and somebody else's life flashes before your eyes because you don't have one. That's codependency, but that's not what I'm talking about. So, but, but we focus on the positive. We, 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 we praise the, the good things and attributes of their life, right? And so uh, the, Jesus said, bless or eulogize those who, who curse you. Has anybody ever talked about you, said something that wasn't true? Or, or maybe it was true, but they shouldn't be telling people. You know what I'm saying? We all got those <laughs> things too. But what do you do when that happens? Um, I, I remember uh, 
several years ago, something like this happened to me, and, and this person went and said negative things about me to somebody that was like a leader in my life. And this, this leader came to me and kind of confronted me, and I was like, where is this coming from? You know, and, and I was like, no, that's not, I don't do that, or that's not true, or whatever. And so when I found out where it came from, they said, well, they, they, said, they kind of said, well, do, do you want to tell me what's going on or why this person is talking bad about you? And, and I just said, you know, I, I just, now, now I'm going to make this sound like it was really easy for me, but man, I wanted to say some stuff. But the, thank God for the helper, the Holy Spirit. I think a good word for him would be the governor, not like the governor of the state, but like putting a governor on your mouth or like a governor on your engine where you can't, you can only go a certain speed. And so the governor kind of clicked in on my heart, and there was a love filter that was supernaturally there, and I just began to say, you know, one thing I do know about that, that guy is that I know he's really got a call of God on his life, and I know that he's called to do what he's doing, and, and I just hope that things go really well for him, and, and that was all that I said. And then when I got in the car, I said, Jesus, we need to talk about your guy. Uh, mm. But thank God he helped me in the moment, right? And And... And something, and my friend Ross Roberts is here who taught me something years ago, and I did this in that situation several years ago. I remember uh, he used to talk about how if, if, if you're offended with somebody or somebody's hurt, you're feeling so a seed of kindness into their life. And so I, this person needed some um, equipment for their new endeavor that they were starting, and so I sent them this equipment that they needed. And, and I, oh, I was having a hard time, but as soon as they received that equipment, it was like supernaturally, ah, the angst and the anger. And, the, and at that point, I really wanted them to succeed because I was invested. Whether they succeeded or not, you know, was, had a lot to do with them. But, but I knew that I was kind of off the hook, so to speak. I was no longer angry. I blessed somebody that cursed me. And it set me free. And I hope it blessed them, but it really blessed me. And sometimes you got to get yourself off the hook, right? Can anybody relate to this? Because here's kind of the big idea for the message today, all right? Difficult people, do you know any? <laughs> all right, difficult people, especially that one who looks back at me in the mirror sometimes, but, but difficult people don't make your spirit, they reveal it. They just made me so mad. No, maybe you were already mad and they just revealed it. So difficult people don't make your heart. They just expose your heart. So next time, and I hope it's a long time from now, but next time you encounter a difficult person, just remember when the pressure's on, what's inside comes out. So we want to be full of it, right? <laughs> full of what? Full of the, the love of God that's been shed abroad or poured out in our heart by the Holy Spirit, like Romans 5 talks about. So how do we take responsibility for our responses? You know what you know responsibility is? That's your ability to respond. Response ability. How do we take responsibility for our responses? We're going to look at a few scriptures today. We're going to start with Pastor James, chapter 4, James chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. And he answers a really important question for us. He says, where do wars and fights come from among you? Well, let's find out. Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. In other words, you get upset because you don't get something that you think you deserve or want. 
So, but when you don't get what you want, there's a, there's a root to that. And, that. and here's the root for most sin and most difficult people. It's pride. Pride. And sometimes you argue about stuff that you don't even believe in because your pride's now on the line, right? Maybe I'm just testifying for myself. But anyway, but, but if you remember this. This is a great little phrase that'll help you. I don't have a dog in that fight. Right? You don't have to have a dog in every fight. Dog fighting can get you in trouble anyway, I hear, but you don't have to have a dog in every fight. Listen to what James chapter 4 and verse 6 says, the last part of the verse. It says, God opposes the proud. So when you get into pride, God is, is organized himself against you. God opposes the proud, but what does he do to those that are humble? He gives them grace. And you know what grace is? It's his supernatural ability to do what's humanly impossible. That's my favorite definition of grace. It's not just God's riches at Christ's expense, like the old acronym, but it's his supernatural divine ability to do what is humanly impossible. So that you, you can do the superhuman by the grace of God if you humble yourself. How do we do that? Jesus is our greatest example. We're going to go to Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. So really, this whole Vampire Diaries series is just a lesson in walking in love and the fruit of the Spirit. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. You know, when somebody says, mind your business, here's what our business is. It says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. What kind of mind, what kind of thinking did Jesus have? He shows us something supernatural right now that'll, it's practical, that'll help us every single day of our life. Let this mind be, let it be in you. But circle that word in your Bible if you have your Bible. Let, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Who? Being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation Taking, everybody say taking, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, humbled himself and became obedient. I'm going to get a t-shirt made one day that says, do what you're told because that's our job description, isn't it? Just do what you're told. And that sounds kind of mean. You can't talk to people that way. And, and maybe not. But that's how God talks to me. Do what you're told, Kevin. Well, um, years ago, that's probably 10 years ago, 10, 11 years ago now. Wow, y'all are getting old. <laughs> but anyway, um, I, uh, you know, obviously we're pastoring here. And my mentor, who was at the time on staff at like a 30,000-member church, and he, he called me and he said, Kevin, and we, we might have been running 200 people 225 people on a good day at that time, and, and we were just, it was the recession, there was just some financial struggles, and he said, uh, listen, I need a young adults pastor, and I was thinking, well, who do I know? And he goes, I was wondering if you would come and take the job, and I was like, I said, yes, 
<laughs> I mean, that sounds great. He says, you'll be immediately, you'll be pastoring thousands of people. We'll pay you a good salary. We'll give you health insurance, which we didn't have at the time, and, or we couldn't afford at the time. And, and he said, I'll let you go to India. I know you're excited about India. And uh, he goes, and, and, you know, I've been your mentor since you were a little boy, and it would just be good to have you around in my life. And, and I was like, yes. I said, now, I mean, I need to pray about it and talk to my wife, but, but yes. I mean, why wouldn't I take this? is great. I mean, here in Mobile, we're struggling. And so anyway, I, I, I went and I prayed for uh, the whole day, and, and God didn't say anything. And so I thought, well, he's busy. I'm going to talk to him tomorrow, and uh, I'll, ca- I'll call you Monday. So I prayed for the second day, and the heavens were quiet. And so then the third day, I thought, well, I'm going to twist God's arm. I'm going to fast. So I fasted all day, and by the end of the day, I was hungry. I, I was hangry. You ever been hangry? And so I got a little uh, uh, forceful with God. In other words, I raised my voice. And I started using, ever tried to use scripture against God? I'm like, hey, it says right here in Jeremiah 33, 3, it says, call unto me and I will answer me. I've been calling you for three days and you had not answered me yet. Are you going to answer me about this or not? And finally the Lord said, uh, Kevin, what's the last thing I told you to do, son? Well, Several years ago, you said, keep the work in India going and come pastor the church in Mobile. He said, do what you're told. If I change my mind, you'll be the first person I let know. Don't ask me about this again. You ever felt like you, just, you ever gotten in trouble? And you, I mean, I, I felt I like, you know, everybody, you ever like went in and talked to your boss and everybody's like, hey, how did it go? And you're like, uh, I'd just rather not talk about it. And so I kind of came out of prayer with my tail between my, tail between my legs, and I had to call my mentor and just say, hey, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to accept after all. The Lord just told me I needed to kind of stay where I am. Do what you're told. Let this mind be in you. Now, how many know God's not impressed by opportunities or we're not, listen, this is a side thought, but we're not led by open doors or opportunities. We're not led by closed doors the door might be closed but if god says go there might be nothing but a brick wall there but if god says go that way then just by faith you gotta kick a hole in the thing and and go and so sometimes the door might be wide open but the holy spirit says "Uh -uh uh-uh don't go through that one so we're led by not by circumstances or exterior things we're led by the inward witness of the holy spirit who's on the inside of you Say, well, I don't know if I can. You do know how to hear from him. You're his sheep and you know his voice. Read John 10. So being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient. Got all that out of that word obedient. To the point of death. Sometimes you got to die to what you want so that you can be resurrected to what God wants. He became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So when you want to give somebody a piece of your mind you got to die to what you want so that the love of God can pour out of you. Now, next week, we're going to talk about abuse and how we're not supposed to subject ourselves to that. I'm not talking about that. But uh, there's a difference in use and abuse and that sort of thing. We'll get into that next week. But humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. It hurts to serve and it hurts to be kind to someone that's not being kind to you. But this is exactly what Jesus did. 
He came and he did not do his own thing. You can do, you can do it your way or you can do it Yahweh. And let me just tell you, pride, again, taking notes, jot this down. If you're tweeting, tweet this. Pride always has a better idea than God. So, what do you do with vampires? You got to drive a stake through their heart. Let me show you how to do that. How do you kill pride? Colossians 3 is the stake that you can drive through the heart of pride. It says, therefore, Colossians 3, 5, put to death your members which are on the earth. And then he lists some things. Fornication, that's having sex outside of marriage. Uncleanness, passion, evil desires, covetousness. And by the way, we always hear about chase your passion, chase your passion, but the Bible doesn't say much about chasing your passion. It talks about walking by faith and obedience and humbling yourself. Wow. <laughs> the world talks about chasing your passion. God says, do what you're told. Because <laughs> that's the difference between a kingdom and a, and a democracy. We're in a kingdom, so you don't get to vote. You get to do what you're told. Well, that's not very nice. Trust me, God's plan for your life is a whole lot better than your plan for your life or anybody else's because he came to give us life and life more abundantly. But pride always has a better idea. Okay. Put to death the members of, on the earth, fornication, unclean, passion, evil desires, covetousness, wanting something that somebody else, just be thankful for what you got. These things are idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Look at your neighbor and say, do what you're told. In which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off these. We're going to the next level. Ready to go to the next level? Put off anger, wrath, malice. That's a digression, by the way. You start angry, then you get wrath, and then you get into malice. Blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Say, well, wash, cuss, and even wrong. Well, you know, I don't have time to teach on that. Uh, do not lie to one another. How many of that will really help your relationships? Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So here's our goal. We want to keep our name off of the difficult people list. Keep your name off the difficult people list. So here's some questions that I ask myself almost every day. It's just between me, myself, and Jesus. I say, "How did, or did I show love to others today? And I, and I always say, well, sure I did. Then I say, how? Oh, let me think of some depth specifics. Because if you can't think of specifics, you probably didn't. If I can't think of specifics, then I probably didn't. How did I show love to others today? Did, I, uh, did others see joy in me today? Not just did I have joy because I could fool myself, but did other people see it? Joy. How I many of the joy of the Lord is our what? Strength. So if you need some strength, you need some joy. Now, where do you get joy? Well, that's in his presence. There's fullness of joy. So if I'm not walking in joy and people didn't see joy in my life, then I probably hadn't been in his presence to get any. So did people see joy in my life today? I try to exemplify it every day, but, but if I, I don't evaluate, now you don't, you know, this is just something that the Holy Spirit asked me to do 
uh, not too very long ago, in the last year or two, and I'm trying to just evaluate, all right, these are the things that are going to help me live life and life more abundantly and are pleasing to the Lord. So if I don't ever ask, if I don't ever look for fruit, how am I going to find it? I want to look for the fruit in my life. We talk about growing the fruit and what the fruit of the Spirit is, but, but, but taste and see that the Lord is good. So I want people to, I want to be fruity. I don't want to be a fruit, but I want to be fruity, okay? I, ask, I also ask this. If I lost it today, ever lost it? <laughs> I don't mean your keys. <laughs> if I lost it today, what triggered it? I was thinking about doing a series called Triggered. If I lost it today, what triggered it? And usually, you know what I find the trigger is? It comes back, most of the time for me, it's pride. I got my little feelings hurt about something, and then I had to bow up and show that I'm all that in a bag of chips. But then when I do that, I'm really nothing. Because what am I doing? I'm, I'm getting in the flesh, and I'm acting like... Um, the father of all lies, because I'm lying to myself, and I think, well, I deserve. Well, do I? How many, how many of you are glad you didn't get what you deserved? You do. What did we get? Mercy. That's getting what you don't deserve. All right, so if I lost it, what triggered it? And did I take responsibility, or did I blame somebody else? Well, if my wife had a, or if my kids wouldn't take my sunglasses and not put them back where they belong... I'm going to keep moving. Did I take responsibility or did I try to blame somebody else for being fleshy? All right. How was my gentleness today? Was I gentle or was I rough? Just because I'm the boss in a few places in a small organization or two doesn't mean that I have the right to be mean. But was I gentle? How was my patience today? How was my kindness today? Was I kind? And here's a, great, here's a great prayer that David taught us in Psalm 139. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. And, and listen, this is a tough one. I'm just going to tell you. But if you'll take this prayer to the Lord and use it, you'll get a lot out of it. And this is what he says. Search me, O God, and know my heart. You know how many he knows your heart better than you know your heart. But he can show you your heart so that you can make adjustments. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. And know my anxieties. David dealt with anxiety. But how do you deal with anxiety? You take it to the Lord. Make your worry list your prayer list. How do you know what to pray about? Well, what are you worried about? Make your worry list your prayer list. And see if there's any wicked way in me. Now, this isn't talking about, well, I'm a Satan worshiper, wicked way. No, wicked is the, where we get the word twisted from, wicker. Is there anything twisted in me? Did you know that we all have certain bents that you just inherited from your family tree? So we're all bent a little different way. So if there's any bent in me, Lord, if I'm bent toward, you know, um, I, I told you I had six crazy uncles. And... They were all bent. I'm just telling you, uh, good guys. But they, they, you know, they were son of an Irishman. They liked beer and women and cars. And I mean, that's just kind of what typically us guys like. I mean, God made you girls so pretty, and He made y'all for us. So we like you. And so, but how I many know if you like more than one, you can really get in trouble. 
<laughs> you can only handle one. I know you think you might can handle more than one, but you can't. You, you might not even be able to handle one. <laughs> but anyway, so but if there's any wicked way in me, if anything that's bent in me, if you fly off the handle or if you um, have a tendency to have an addictive behavior, we all have some sort of bent. So David said, Lord, find that twist in me and straighten me out and lead me in the way everlasting. Instead of going towards my bent, that I would go towards the way everlasting. And that is a conscious decision. How do you make that choice? You make it consciously and you make it intentionally. So I'm going to look up something that, this isn't in my notes, but I tweeted something yesterday and I thought, that's pretty good. Let me share it with you. Um, But I was uh, sleep deprived when I tweeted it, so it might not be as good as I thought it was, but I'm going to look it up real quick. Okay. Listen to this. I got this from Dr. Henry, Henry Cloud, who wrote the Boundaries book. And it says this, we don't develop new patterns by unearthing old ones. We develop new patterns by intentionally behaving in new ways. How simple is that? You just intentionally go, you know what? I'm not going to sleep till noon every day. I'm going to get up and go to work when I'm supposed to be there. You make a conscious, I know that's an extreme example, but or whatever the case may be. Or I'm not going to drink too much anymore. I'm going to be one and done. Or maybe if you can't handle that, if you're an alcoholic, you don't need to have any. That's why we do grape juice in communion, by the way, instead of real wine, like some other people. We don't want anybody falling off the wagon at church. So, you know, we want to make this a safe place. So, but my point being, you got to know you're bent and intentionally go a different way. Intentionally. And you go, that's going to be hard. Yeah, that's why it's called dying. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless... I live, yet not I, but it's Christ that lives in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties, if there's any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So who's the referee in your life? I was thinking about this. You know, who calls the shots? You know, we have um, big, important football games that are coming up. And so, the, you know, the, the Iron Bowl's coming up. Alabama-Auburn, big rivalry. And so there's, but you know, there's not just two teams playing in that game. There's three. There's the Crimson Tide, Roll Tide, Alabama. Woo-hoo. There's that other team, you know, Auburn. Uh, <laughs> and then there's another team, the referees. There's a team of officials. Now, if it wasn't for that team, how many know the other two teams would just go buck wild crazy? They'd try to get away. They'd cheat. They'd try to get away with anything. They'd do, um, they would hurt each other. But what are the other, what's that, that third team do? They keep it fair. And they go, no, you can't do that. You know, 15-yard penalty, and you're ejected, and, you know, oh, delay of game. What do they do? They keep it. They keep order, don't they? And so who's the referee in your life? I'm going to give you a... One or two more verses, and this is a big one. This is Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Colossians 3, 12, all the way through verse 22, and it says this. Therefore, as the elect of God, did you know that you're God's favorite? Holy and beloved. Everybody say, I'm holy. Come on now, say it like you mean it. Say, I am holy, and I am beloved. I'm God's favorite. Yes, you are. He says, put on, just like I put the sweater on today. I came downstairs in my No Perfect People Allowed t-shirt, and, and my wife greeted me by saying, are you going to preach in that today? I said, well, I'm going to put a sweater on top. I put it on. I put it on. You got to put some things on. You ever heard, oh, you're just putting on. 
there's some things you got to put on, like being nice. You're not really nice. You're just faking. Whatever it takes, baby. Fake it till you make it, right? Put it on. Put on what? Put on tender mercies. Put on kindness. Put on humility. Put on meekness, long-suffering, patience, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has any complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. And then above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of what? Perfection or maturity. How do we know that you're mature in Christ? How do we know that you're mature spiritually? Because you walk in love, not because you have great powerful faith and you heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, and you're the biggest giver in the church. Thank God for all those things. But how do we know you're growing up spiritually? You walk in love. One step outside of love is a step outside of God. One step out of love is a step back into darkness, Brother Hagen used to tell us. Above all these things, put on perfection, love, which is the bond of perfection. And let, here we go, here's the umpire. And let the peace of God rule, act as umpire in your hearts, to which also you were called into one body and be thankful. Can you imagine if, 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 if you were married to this person I'm describing? And let the word of Christ dwell in you, how? Richly, in all wisdom. Because when God's word is in you, God's wisdom is in you. You know what to do. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Can you imagine this, this person in your house walking around being kind, loving? How you doing? Singing, got a song in your heart, yeah. They're like, wow. You're like, I'm glad I married that guy. I'm glad I get married that girl. They're so gentle. They're so patient and kind. As opposed to, what do you mean you haven't cooked dinner yet? When are you going to wash all them dishes? What do you do around here all day anyway? So you're like, that is the guy I'm married to. <laughs> We're going to pray for you. And then he goes on to say, whatever you do. Everybody say, whatever. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, uh-oh. He lists a few relationships now. Wives, submit to your own husbands or honor your husband as is fitting in the Lord. There's the ways that are fitting and ways that aren't fitting. So do it in the fitting way. Husbands, uh-oh. Love your wives. See, honor doesn't come naturally to women and loving doesn't come naturally to men. So he encourages us to do that. Love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Children, uh-oh, kids, you're next. Obey your parents in all things, all things, all things, all things. <laughs> For this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Hey, kids, say amen, kids. Fathers, uh-oh, let's talk about dad. Do not provoke or exasperate your children. That means having an expectation that you haven't communicated and holding them accountable for something that you haven't communicated. My wife thinks it's teasing them, but it's not because I tease my kids all the time. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. They're like, I can never make you happy, Dad. And I mean, why? Because you expect something that you don't communicate. God doesn't do that to us. We shouldn't do that to our kids. Bond servants. Now, let me put this in the modern phraseology. Employees. So if you've got a boss, do a good job. So you listen to really important uh, relationships here. And in conclusion, I want to share one last verse, and it's this. 1 John 4.18. 1 John 4.18. Because this is really the crux of the matter. Um, 
Sorry, trick question. You ready? I started thinking about this probably about six, seven years ago, and the thought is this. What's the opposite of love? What's the opposite of love? Nobody's answering because I said it was a trick question. Yeah. Usually people say hate, you know, but, it's, but the opposite of love is not hate, it's fear. The root of hate is fear. So the opposite of love is fear. But listen to what happens in 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love, and we know that God doesn't have any love. God is love. But perfect love, that's mature love, casts out all fear. So I can't fear you if I love you. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made mature in love. So how do we deal with difficult people? You love them. You love them. You pray for them. You eulogize them. Now, if they're abusive, you might need to separate yourself from them. Not everybody deserves to be a part of your life. Because you've got to love yourself. And we'll talk about that more next week. But perfect love casts out fear. So how do we deal with difficult people? You love them. You love them. Like we say, we're, we're, one of our goals, we're, we're trying to make it hard to go to hell from Mobile, Alabama. So we know that people, they, got, they go through stuff, man. They go through hell. So we're going to love the hell out of people. Because a lot of people are difficult. That's the thing. Think about it. I mean, can you imagine Moses had a million people in his church? And they were all difficult. And so we have, on, on an average Sunday, we've got 480 to 500 and something people that come here on, on Sundays. And everybody, if everybody showed up at one time that calls Harvest their home, I don't know, well, we'd have to go to four or five services probably. But, but my point being is that most people come to church not because they got their life together, but they need some help, right? So how do you deal with difficult people? You love them. So if you're not in a small group, get in a small group and let some folk love on you. And you love on somebody else. In conclusion, you might be asking, well, gosh, as you're talking about you know, these vampires that suck the life out of you, I'm thinking I'm having a revelation. Uh, I am one. <laughs> well, can Jesus love a vampire like me? Absolutely. What does he do? He makes old things new. The old passes away and all things become new. So if you've never made, if you've never driven a stake through the vampire of your own heart and life, that stake is the cross of Jesus Christ. And you need to be crucified with Christ so that you can live. How do you do that? You submit to the Lordship of Jesus. If you've never done that, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that right now. If you're watching us online or over in the family venue, I would like to invite you to pray what we call the prayer of salvation. All you have to do is mean it from your heart, and the supernatural Holy Spirit of God begins to come in and recreate you from the inside out. It's an inside job. Would you bow your heads just for a moment? If you're here with us today and you would say, Pastor, please include me in that prayer. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Uh, maybe you're not sure whether of your salvation. Maybe you're not certain that you're right with God or that if Jesus came right now, you'd go with him. You can, you can not have, you, you can be sure. You don't have to have hope so. You can have no so salvation. If you're here today and you need to make sure that you're right with God and that Jesus is your Lord, I'm not going to make you stand up or walk to the front or anything like that. But if you say, Pastor, include me in that prayer, just slip your hand up real quickly. Let me see who I'm praying for today. Awesome. I got you. See your hand. 
Number two, I see your hand. Three, I see your hand. Anybody else want to join these? Okay, gotcha. Number four, God bless you. Excellent. Anybody else? If you're online, you can pray with us also. There's hands all over this room, and you just join in right where you are. Harvest Church, let's pray with these four or five people that raise their hand today. Let's all say it together and show them some support. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I'm bringing you my life, and I'm asking you, forgive me of my sins. I believe in my heart. Jesus died in my place, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Jesus, you are my Lord. Raise me from the dead. From this night forward, I am yours. In Jesus' name, amen. I still got my days and nights turned around, sorry. If you just prayed that prayer, welcome home. We love you. We're so excited for you. And we believe that you're never going to be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen.